Kings Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Introducing your host, Sacramento Kings Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. I am James Ham. Joining me as always, Mr. Aaron Bruski of hoop-ball.com. AB, we took a little break. People got pissed. They got angry. <laughs> They got angry with us for taking a break in September, the dog days of summer for the NBA, when the NBA is shut down completely, but people are angry with us. Yeah, people want to talk hoops, you know? They they want their kings. It, and it's weird because, like, I, I felt it a little bit, too, about a week ago. I, I felt like we should have been doing a podcast, and you start to see the, the arena getting basically finished up oh, and, yeah. and a lot of stuff that's going on with that. and. It's a big reminder that, oh, oh, damn, you know, there's some big stuff about to happen here in Sacramento. And so I kind of felt like we should have been doing a podcast. But at the same time, even with the stuff we're about to talk about today, there's nothing going on in the NBA. It is dead. I think it's more dead this year than it's been in past years because, I mean, there's nothing going on. So uh, it's good, though, to get back on and and to get going because I really can't wait for the season. I can't wait for this season either because uh, it's a season of change again in Sacramento. Um, they have so many new faces; it's absolutely ridiculous. I don't, I, you know what? I, I keep like having to go back and count, and it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven new faces. Eleven new faces. So the only holdovers: Collison, Mclemore, Gay, Caspi, Collie Stein. Cousins and Kufis. So seven. So the roster currently stands at 17, I mean 18. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're going to talk about this, but the roster stands at 18. They'll probably have one or two more camp invites. That means that three people aren't going to make this team. And, you know, I think you can already circle the three that probably won't make this team. But uh, it's going to be highly competitive. I think this is going to be a really nice training camp that's highly competitive that forces even veterans that think that they've got their spot in the world you know, solidified. It's going to force them to play really hard or they're not going to play this season. And I think that's a good thing. Um, so if we're going to look at this, it's this roster as a whole, Aaron, are there three that you can pick out right now that just you don't think have any shot at making it? I don't think Isaiah Cousins has a shot. I don't think I I don't think Jordan Far I don't know. I mean, one of Jordan Farmer and Ty Lawson ain't making it. No, that's true. Yeah. Um so it's that's a competition between those two. I'm not ready to kick Lamar Patterson out. I, I think he's got some some hidden upside there. But it's gonna be hard. Like I don't know, you know, you got two at the point three at the shooting guard that I think are in no matter what you got your small forwards locked up. That's going to make seven, nine, you know, if you count DeMarcus cousins and Caspi at power forward, tall over 10 scal 11, Willie Cauley Stein, 12 Kufos 
13. Papayana's 14. So Patterson, who am I missing there? Patterson Richard, would be 15. Richardson? No, Richardson. No, I got Richardson in there. Okay, you got Temple. You missed Temple then. No, I got Collison Temple, Aflalo, Macklemore, Richardson, Rudy Gay, Matt Barnes, Demarcus Cousins, Omri Caspi, Tolliver, the BCA. I'm never going to get his name right after butchering it so many times. Scal. 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 A scowl, but La BCA. And it, Willie Collie Stein, Costa Cufos, and, and Papianis. So two, three is five, seven, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. I've got fourteen, and then Patterson would be my fifteen. So who am I missing? You got Macklemore? I got Macklemore. Okay, so just I've got Collison Lawson as guaranteed making it. Uh Aflalo, Macklemore, Temple, Richardson. So that's six between those two positions. Gay, Caspi, Barnes. That's nine. Collie Stein is ten. Tolliver is eleven. Scal is twelve. Cousins, Kufis, Papianis, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. So I think where we're differing is you've got Lawson making it no matter what. I've got that as a competition between he and uh, Farmar. Well, I and would it, say, but either one of them, one of the two is going to make it, and that's still so you have, us at fifteen. Do you have you have Patterson out? Out. I have Patterson out. I have Isaiah Cousins out. Um, and I have uh, Farmar out. Yeah, Cousins, Farmar, Patterson out. As of today, but, you know, who knows what happens? Because, I mean, the Kings could get to a point with Macklemore where a deal makes sense for another team, or they could get to a place with Kufis where it makes sense for another team that they just realize they don't have the bigs they need and they need to, to make a change and add a, add a body. So I wouldn't be shocked to see the Kings dump I dump one of these players right near, you know, during training camp and either take back a pick or take back, like do a two for one where they're, they're only taking back one player. Uh, I just think that there's still some room to change this roster. And I think a lot of room to change this roster. So I'm not sure, man. I, I, I guess we have to talk about some the point guard position ad nauseum today because we haven't gone over. We gave you a, a very good understanding of what was going to happen with Collison, and that's what happened with Collison. We're still waiting to hear the the NBA hammer dropping on him and giving him anywhere from, I don't know, a five-game suspension to a 24-game suspension. We have no idea what's coming, and the Kings have no idea what's coming. And from what I, I've talked to people, uh, we actually had a luncheon this week uh, with some of the Kings Brass, uh, with with Jaeger and Vlade and um, with Ken Catanella, which all of it was you know off the record, just meet and greet stuff. But they're hopeful that the NBA will have, show mercy on Darren Collison and not make him the, I don't know, the the poster child for domestic violence in the NBA because they feel like his rep within the league has been so good for so long and he's never had any other issues of any kind. And they think that that should count for something, but I I don't know, Aaron, are you hearing anything different on the Collison front? No, no. I I think that if I had to prognosticate this, I'm going to give it six games, something like that. Wow, yeah, that's, that's, that's just maybe eight games. I, I don't know if they go into the double digits here. It, it's, you know, obviously, you know, it's something that they could do, and I don't think anybody would have a real problem with it. Um, 
And I don't think the Kings should really worry about it, you know, from a basketball standpoint too much. Obviously, the point guard position is weak, but I just personally believe that Garrett Temple can hold the thing down. I personally also think that they should probably start him and let Ty Lawson and, um, you know, Jordan Farmer battle it out in camp for those backup minutes. Because if you're going to bring Ty Lawson in and put his imprint on the team, his style of play, and then turn around and Darren Carlson comes back and then Ty Lawson realistically shouldn't play at that point, or if he is playing, he should play minimal minutes. I, I think that you're, you're messing with the team's style quite a bit by having Ty Lawson get such, you know, take the reins right away. And then all of a sudden he's really not a part of the game plan. So, I mean, I just think that Garrett Temple can handle it. And so if it's six games, 10 games, I don't think that the Kings fans should be worrying about that so much as just kind of knowing that it's going to be a deficiency and it's something that they've got to get through, but the team's going to have to hunker down and get it done. That's right. So from what I know, like I've had lots of conversations from inside, not just at lunches, but long before that. From what I know, the Kings are pretty convinced that they walk into this season with the same team they had not last year but the year before under Michael Malone that started that season and the year before that where they finished the season with Rudy Gay, Darren Collison, and DeMarcus Cousins as their big three and those three guys walking into this season but with a much improved other 11 or 12 guys and so they actually are are really feeling kind of good about this roster barring massive suspension and you know when you do look at this team and you have instead of ray mccallum backing up uh darren collison you you have a guy like ty lawson that's not bad and as opposed to ben mclemore and nick stauskis fighting it out for guard minutes at the shooting guard position and just killing you and and making it four on five for like 50 games that season you have Aaron Aflalo with some other guys that can eat up minutes. Guys, again, like Darren Collison, now that you have Ty Lawson, and guys like Garrett Temple, and, you know, just solid veterans. Even Ben McLemore, you know, four years in, now he should be a better player. And then, again, if you go to the small forward position, you've got Caspi, you've got Barnes, you've got depth at the power, you've got versatility at the power, whether it be Tolliver or Colley Stein. or So they are really convinced that this is a very similar team with a a very good strat, uh, strategist at the helm, which I think is what they had the last time they had this group together in Michael Malone. Now they have Dave Yeager, and they actually feel like they've got a shot, but they're planning for now. They're planning for the future. They're planning for massive cap space. It's kind of this interesting bubble that they've got themselves into. Are you confident that that, that is something that can play out, Aaron, that – they actually could be a better team than last year and a much better team than the year before. Yeah, I think regular listeners know where I stand on how last year was executed and, and the Rondo pickup as well as that, you know, I'm not kidding when I say I've not seen a coaching job as bad as George Carl's, you know, in my time doing this really because everything went backwards and you just had to f- go back a year and see what Michael Malone did, just putting guys in the right spot and what that was doing for the effectiveness of this ball club. Um, So I I just think by not doing incredibly uh, ridiculous things, they're going to take steps forward. And I I do like their depth. Matt Barnes has proven for years that he can come in, 
give the 26 to 28 minutes that he's accustomed to giving, stay in his lane, do the little things, be an efficient ball player. Omri Caspi is the same ilk. You know, Aaron Aflalo, as long as he stays in his lane, I think he can just be a guy that's not a huge minus. And, you know, I, I'll probably be taking that drive up to Reno and, and doing what I what I did last year, which is which is taking that over because nobody's going to buy these guys. Now, you do notice, though, there are some some guys that that look at the game very closely. Guys like Kevin Pelton of ESPN, who have put the Kings at 37 wins. Um I think they I think they're capable of much more than that. Um, you know, I, I had them at 47 last year and, you know, I probably have them somewhere close to that this year. And and the, the but this is the weird thing with this Kings team exasperated by the Darren Collison situation, exasperated by the fact that it's going to take a long time to knock the rust off of the last 25 games of whatever you want to call that tanking, because I don't even know if it was intentional at some times. Um, you know, wasting the end of last season. They come into this season, they're going to have to get rid of the bad habits that DeMarcus Cousins developed in his time with George Carl and Rajon Rondo. They're going to have to reassert themselves as a team, figuring out what they like to do. Rudy Gay is going to have to get back to the way that he played under Michael Malone. And the offense, though, I do, I feel confident that Dave Yeager is going to be able to do that for them. But in the bubble of Sacramento, with all the history between DeMarcus Cousins and the franchise and the city and the fans and and the negative forces, I think, in the media that are going to try to help usher him out of town, there's just going to be an immense amount of pressure on both him and the team. And you got a new arena. If things start to turn south in the first 20 games, in the first 30 games, I think that there could be the same type of pressure and negative influences that helped make last season and the season before, you know, much more difficult than it needs to be. So on one hand, I look at the roster and I look at, you know, the removal of George Carl and Rajon Rondo as these massive positives that could help propel them up to 43 to 47 wins. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But this first 30 game span, again, similar to the eight games last year where they had that, you know, murderer's row schedule they just have an incredibly heavy lift coming out the gate and they just have to make sure strategically that they're fine. And as long as they don't do anything too crazy, that's why the Ty Lawson thing worries me a little bit is like maybe they come in and try to run Ty Lawson out there as a starting point guard for 20, 30 minutes a game. If Ty's got it in him, great. You know, he could be an asset obviously, but if he's not and they try to kind of force him into that role, I mean, you just brought in Garrett Temple. Just let him do his thing. But it's going to be a heavy lift, and that, to me, is the ball game. the first 30 games. Yeah, I I really – it's such a, a balancing act trying to figure out what's going to happen with this team. And you're right. Like, I did a podcast with Nate Duncan, and uh, and he talked about, like, he's, what's your win projection? And I said 40-41 because I think they were better than 33 last year. Just like the year before, I thought they were better than 31. I thought they were better than 33 last year. They just let them, the the whole Carl situation snowball and eat them alive from the inside. So I, I do think that they are a better team. They're a deeper team. They're a more versatile team. They have more veteran depth. They have more veterans that can actually play, as opposed to, unfortunately for Karan Butler, he never even got a shot. But, you know, he was a veteran that was on the team, but he never... He may have helped them off the court, but he never got an opportunity to play on the court. I think, 
you know, Temple. And even even when you look at Farmar through training camp, I think Farmar can help this team learn what Jaeger is trying to do. Um, but again, he's a guy who only spent 12 games in the in the league last year after playing overseas. So I, I'm not convinced that he's anything special. But I think that this team has a variance that I don't think anyone can really put like attack on. You you don't really know if they're a 36, 37 win team, and if they're that team, it's because things started out slowly. Uh, Collison got suspended longer than we thought. Uh, things snowballed poorly towards the all-star break and you had to make massive changes, including trading Rudy Gay, possibly trading DeMarcus Cousins and things just completely blow out. Or this team could be a team that's building and you can watch them building, but they're still just, you know, they're not quite there. They're a 40, 41 win team and they think that they can get over the hump, but they're not quite there yet. And then the other side is that everything clicks and you have the talent and the depth and everything to push forward. And all of a sudden you are a 45 to 47 win team. I think all of these are really distinct possibilities that, that are options. They are things that could happen. And I'm not convinced that this is like a 27 or 28 win team. I think that's just garbage, but I'm not willing to stake my, my 47 win claim like you are. And it's because I think that there are, so many variables, so many things that could play out in a negative or positive way during the season. And I, I think this is a look, wait, and watch and see what happens year as opposed to even last year where I was a lot more, uh, I was convinced going into the season they would be better than they were, and they just weren't. Yeah, I mean, last year, um, I, I I kind of look at the 47 win pro, uh, projection, 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 prediction as um, it's hard to evaluate it. It really is because you have this weapon in DeMarcus Cousins and you, you saw what he was doing under Michael Malone and you thought, OK, you know, there's some things that George Carl could do with him that would be really unique and and really put him in a position to do even more than he did under Michael Malone. And then it just didn't happen because. Carl's a system guy, and um, and that was what it was. And so many things went haywire. So I got to eat crow on that. But at the same time, I'm not going to be surprised at all if they pull it off this year. I, I mean, you got one of the game's premier talents that you can, as long as you put him in the right place, he's just a game changer. And I, I think that with Jaeger as a basketball lifer, he's not a system guy. We know that for a fact. You know, there were times he wanted to push the pace in Memphis and his players brought him back and said, no, we don't want to do that. And they found a happy balance that worked. So you've seen Dave Yeager morph to what the situation called for. And that tells me that you're going to see a lot of DeMarcus Cousins in good spots. You're going to see him on the block, but you're also going to see him at the high post. You're going to see him off the elbow. You're going to see him within 18 feet. The key with him in, in reducing his turnovers is making sure that he only has to go one or two dribbles to get to the hoop. And so with the pick and the pop, I think you'll probably see that. But you'll also see the pick and roll. And he's devastating in the pick and roll. Once he's got ahead of steam, nobody's getting in front of that. Mm -hmm. And that's, to me, we never saw that last year, ever. I mean, we saw some crazy performances with DeMarcus Cousins. That Charlotte game where he went like 50 and 30 or whatever he went for. You saw him on the block, just devastating them. 
And and he should have been down on the block more in that game. So once you start, you start, you got those glimpses of what he's capable of. And when you have a player like that, you're going to win 47 games. So I, I'm just, you know, I, I, I'm probably going to roll with like 45. All right. And 45, 46, I, I just don't see why not. I mean, you, you remove, you know, the bad from the situation and you, you leave this roster in play. I, I don't know. I don't want to make my prediction right now, but I think I will end up with something like 46 wins. Hmm. Okay, so we've talked about Ty Lawson a little bit. Uh, he is a latest addition since, well, Farmar is the latest addition, but he's the real addition that I think is intriguing to people because you're getting a guy that a year ago, not not last season, but the season before, was a really good NBA player. The year before that, he was even better. And he's a guy that you took a gamble on. He's got four DUIs. He's got a domestic situation. He's he's a guy who who comes with like a uh, like a U-Haul worth of baggage behind him. But I've talked to people that that know him well. They say he's actually a really good guy. Uh, he doesn't like to talk to the media, so he sometimes comes across in different, you know, not the easiest guy to deal with. But they said he's not a bad guy at all. He just doesn't love that side of it. Uh, that he's a good teammate typically, except for you do see some of the issues that he has and you can see them, you know, playing out here and there. But uh, as long as he has those in check, they believe that he can really be an asset to this team. We don't see guys fall off and become nothing at 29 very often, especially in one season. A guy go from, what is it, 15.9 and like 10 point something assist to you know five and and three assists a game or something like that where he just completely chose the wrong team to go to or he was traded to the wrong team in the houston rockets it ends up being a a disaster for him because he's playing with the most ball dominant player in the league and then you know he he gets waived he he goes to indiana doesn't have a huge impact but i think he's a guy that if you strike gold he could be a huge impact on this team. He's shooting a ton of three-point, catch-and-shoot three-pointers. He knows that's going to be a lot of what this offense is about. It's about DeMarcus Cousins as a major distributor, which is what we saw with Team USA. I think that that's a really good thing. I love DeMarcus in the high post. I love him in the low post. I think he is about as close to a combination of Marc Gasol and Zach Randolph, a combination of the two that we've seen. He's a guy who can handle the ball, who can draw a charge, who can take you with either hand off the dribble. Uh, he can really pass. So I think that Ty Lawson complements him as well. I think in the pick and roll, I like the idea of those two. And if Lawson has his legs and his quickness back, I think him and Collison can be a devastating one-two punch. But saying all that, he is on a one-year deal, non-guaranteed one-year deal, the Kings, from what I know, have been very upfront and frank and told him that anything goes wrong and you're gone. Anything. We're, we're not looking to be your savior. We're not looking. We are looking for you to be a really good NBA player, a veteran influence to mesh with all the other veterans that we've brought in. And you're here to be who you were before you really let your career get off track. Do you think there's any chance in that, Aaron? Because I, I think there is. I've seen the good Ty Lawson, 
But at the same time, I've seen, you know, how bad he was last year, and I'm not sure. Yeah, I, okay, so for Ty Lawson, this is a guy, just stricken, talking strictly basketball here, you know, I've been a huge Ty Lawson fan since he came into the league, and back in his North Carolina days, he would play through injury, he was a, a big-time player, you know, made big-time shots, and so when he got to Denver, we just kept our eye on him and always thought he would be slated for bigger things, and then that actually panned out, so he made us look good quite a few times. He played through a lot of injuries that I do believe have caught up with him. But um, a lot of the numbers are, are definitely a byproduct of the system that he played in under George Carl, of incidentally. Yeah. Um, so with that, I think some of the gaudiness that, you know, of the stats that he put up, we, we got to take a step back from that for a second. As far as what he's going to bring to this team, you know, Last year, I think a lot of people might make the comparison to Rajon Rondo because they're both entering the team under similar circumstances mm -hmm. as guys that have been kind of cast away by the league. But the difference between Lawson and Rondo is Lawson is definitely a pass. Uh, I don't even want to use that term. That's such a toxic term in this league uh, or in this city even. Um, he's a team guy first. He wants to pass the ball not to get the assist but because he wants – to score the ball and he wants to, um, to, to genuinely do things within the flow of the offense, not as it's my ball. I'm going to do this right now. All y'all get out of the way. He very much will be a part of whatever system is being employed. Now the question is that his size, when he loses the explosion and not really being a great finisher in, in all the different spots that a small guard has to be, a great finisher in to be able to finish over the trees. He's more of a speed guy and drive and kick and get wide open shots, make wide open shots and, and really convert in ways that, that complement his size. I don't know that he has the speed anymore to be able to do that. So I think he's a big question mark in the locker room. I do think he has to take some of the um, blame for the, the Brian Shaw situation when in Denver, that went south very quickly. Now, Shaw did a terrible job with that team in terms of reaching them. It was a very young locker room, but Lawson was very much part of that problem on the, on the player's side as well. They were a very immature bunch, and that played out in a way that wasn't so great for either Lawson or Shaw or the Nuggets. So I don't think this is just like a off-the-court incidents plus um, you know bad fit in Houston – plus bad fit in Indy. I think that he went really downhill both on and off the floor for a couple years there. And so he needs to come in and stop if there were any shenanigans. He's got to stop with the shenanigans in the locker room. And and really, um, I don't think that there's going to be an issue with that, though, because he is on an unguaranteed deal. This is his last stop at that time with Shaw. He was a star, more yeah. or less, or not a superstar, but he was a star. And he could get away with stuff like that. And Shaw had completely lost that locker room from day one, trying to change the style of the team, which really didn't fit Lawson very well at all. So um, I, I think that he can come in, and I look at him like this. Garrett Temple can do his job just fine. There's no question in my mind about that. But if Lawson can come in and add some pep to the offense, get the drive and kick game going, do some things that obviously Garrett Temple can't do with the ball – then it's going to be nice to have him slotted in for 15 to 20 minutes per game. And then you can use Garrett Temple 
at the two. You can use him at the three. And then you might not have to play a guy like Ben McLemore or even Aaron Aflalo. If Aaron Aflalo falls off a cliff this year, which is possible because he hasn't been great in past years, you, you, you now have options with Garrett Temple. If he's not locked into that backup point guard role, he can be moved up from one to three and give you a good 20 to 25 minutes per game. You know that you're going to get that out of him. So Lawson's just kind of a luxury at this point. Yeah, and you know what? I really like that if Lawson does have the the speed back, if he did, you know, work maybe the partial year off, which I mean, he barely played when it really he didn't play huge minutes last year. Maybe that helped him, and maybe he's got his quickness back. But if he does, I absolutely love the idea of him and Ben McLemore and Omri Caspi and Matt Barnes and Willie Cauley Stein as a speed unit I I just think that that has so much intrigue to it you can watch that team just flying up and and down the court and if it's not if it's not uh Ben McLemore it's Malachi Richardson if you know it's not Cauley Stein gives Scal Lebesier a little bit of action I just love that idea that speed that you could put on the floor and just put the pedal down for for five minutes a half and really punish teams and change the tempo of the game you nailed it with that because then if you went with a speed unit in the second unit, you can go with a slow unit in the first unit. So you go Darren Collison, Garrett Temple at the two, Rudy Gay, um, or pardon me, uh, Aaron Aflalo at the three, Rudy Gay at the four, even though this is a small lineup. I don't think that Rudy's flying up and down the court anymore. And you go to Marcus Cousins at the five, and then you just pound the ball. Yeah. You've got big, thick defenders that can pretty much smother – a lot of the smaller lineups that are out there, but they can also move their feet. If Rudy Gay's your four, Aaron Aflalo's your three, Garrett Temple's your two, I don't think you're losing anything on the defensive side of the ball in terms of quickness, but these are all players that like to hold the ball, set things up, and you can have a methodical offense with DeMarcus Cousins as your centerpiece, and then, like you said, move the speed lineup of all of the aforementioned guys, including Willie Cauley-Stein, and... Um, you know, really get up and down the floor. The change of tempo. I think this team has the option and the versatility of this team. We're going to keep talking about the versatility of this team because in past years, if Cousins goes down, you're absolutely shot. And this year you have three other guys that can slide right in and play the center position. Willie Cauley-Stein, Costa Kufis, or Papianis. Now Papianis is green and he's going to take a while, but actually I've heard it. Papianis has been in town for a couple of weeks and he has looked incredible behind the scenes. Like they have been like, holy cow, he does actually have some game. Uh, so that's one thing that he's actually looked really, really good behind the scenes. Uh, I don't know anything about Malachi Richardson has been a guy that we haven't heard hardly anything about. Um, he's again, a wild card. Will he play it all in his rookie season? I don't, I don't think so. Unless the Kings deal Ben McLemore, even then I still see Collison stealing some minutes at the two. I see, Aflalo playing major minutes at the two. I see Temple playing minutes at the two. I see Matt Barnes playing minutes at the two. Again, this team has so much depth. There's going to be people who are out of it. And I know I someone hit me up on Twitter the other day and like, oh, Kingsign Lawson and, and Farmar, why didn't they just gamble with Seth Curry? I got to be honest. I feel better with Ty Lawson, who has started hundreds of games in his NBA career and at one point was – near all-star level player and Jordan Farmar who is who's been through the battles with just about everybody I feel more comfortable with those two than Seth Curry and it's not because I don't like Seth Curry I think Seth's a great guy I, I spent 
a ton of time with Seth. He's come on the podcast a couple of times. I talked to him, you know, all the way through the playoffs while his brother was in the playoffs with the Warriors. He was there the whole time. We had conversations all the time. I, it doesn't change anything. I still feel like Seth Curry was a player who put up some good numbers on a really bad team last year. And I don't think I can say that about Ty Lawson. I think Ty Lawson put up really good numbers on like a 57-win team as a starting point guard. So I feel comfortable with what they've done. I, I know that he's a boom or bust, boon or bust, excuse me. He could you know, just be absolutely spectacular. Or he could be absolutely horrible and they can just get rid of him. I, I don't know that there's a lot of middle ground. I don't see another five points a game season out of Lawson, but I I do actually enjoy a lot of what they've done to this roster. I think that Tolliver can really shoot. Actually, just again, uh, Ken Catanella uh, spent time with Tolliver in in Detroit. They said they called it the Tolliver effect. They they started playing Tolliver and they started winning. And they're like, we don't know what's going on, but. Every time we put him on the floor, we win games. And so he's gonna he's going to play. He's going to play minutes and because he has a calming influence on a team, he has the ability to knock down a three, he has the ability to stay in front of a man for the most part, and he doesn't make mistakes. And the more players you have like that, I think the better you are. And I think that the Kings really did a nice job. I mean, look, again, Lawson, Farmar, Barnes, Aflalo, Temple Tolliver, you brought in six solid, solid veteran guys that can, if Lawson can stay out of trouble, but you brought in veteran influences to go with three rookies that are for sure going to make the team and a forthcoming next year in Bogdanovich, and then the core that you already had. And so they've played for now with the, the older guys. They've got to play for the future with the young guys. They have an option to opt out on Tolliver and uh, Anaflalo next year, clear up $20 million in cap space. They can say goodbye to Lawson, Collison, Rudy Gay could opt out, and all of a sudden they've got you know 30 plus million in cap space next year. If not, the year after, they have something like $90 million in cap space, and they're ready to be huge players, especially if Cousins decides to say and they lock them up long-term. So I think they've done an interesting job, and I'm not going to like tout them as the executive of the year, but I think you didn't like the idea of signing Ryan Anderson. I did. They chose a different path, and that path was to not lock themselves into a 29-year-old guy, 28-year-old guy who is going to want 20-plus million a year and may not change the direction of the franchise. Instead, they went with veterans that may be able, as a collective, change the direction of a franchise while grooming young players underneath them. Yeah, I had no problem with their offseason. In fact, you know, you don't have to denigrate Seth Curry uh, to to like some of the stuff that the Kings have done. And, and the thing with a player like Seth is he's going to have his limitations. You basically have to play him as a one defensively. And so he fits like a San Antonio with Patty Mills, you know, teams that can take advantage of his offense, but have defensive systems or players or coaching to be able to get away with playing him 24 minutes a game, you know, as a backup point guard, you know, to a guy like Tony Parker. So there's value for Seth Curry in this league, and he still has to prove himself in that regard. Uh And that contract is very advantageous and the Mavs are very smart for signing him. But when you can bring in a Garrett Temple and, plug up the backup point guard position or if 
you know, like like we said, Lawson works out and you can move Temple to the two. But when you can have a, a big defender at the one as your backup, he can actually defend the position. That's what you're looking for because then it's not a deficiency. And you, the whole goal of defense is to not have deficiencies at any position. So why, you know, pigeonhole yourself when you don't have to? And so that's why I think it's fine that you let Seth Curry walk, even though I like what the Mavs did, and it would have been fine if the Kings had kept him. It's just one of these things where Garrett Temple's a better fit, in my opinion. But, yeah, to your point, I think that they are set up, um, you know, all these team-friendly deals that they signed, they're, they're, they're real good. And you got yourself – and I'd probably close on this. You know, the arena has been thrown out there as such a – I don't know. It's kind of like a bad talking point in the past to – get your mind off of other stuff that's been going on with the Kings. But this is the year that it actually matters. I think when these guys, you know, step in and they, they get that first hit from the arena and especially if Dave Yeager can point them in the right direction system wise, and they could get out of their own way on the basketball floor in the basketball sense, there's going to be some synergy with that. I think these guys are going to be proud of where they play. I think that the, uh, the opportunity to turn things is definitely going to be there and then with these smart cap moves, yeah, you could bring a free agent in this place. If DeMarcus Cousins has a good year and the Kings win more than 40 games, I think there's going to be a high-end player that's going to want to take a crack at that with DeMarcus. DeMarcus is going to have to prove that he can reduce the on-court distractions yet again you know, at an incremental level. Off the court, I think he's more or less fine. I don't think players are like, oh, I don't want to hang out with that guy. I think it's just on the court. He has to prove that he's a guy that can be a number one in this league. And the talent is there. It's just, is the mentality there? And we're going to just see that in the win-loss column. If they win more than 40 games, mark my words, you're going to get a second-tier free agent to come to this city. That's right. And you know what? You brought up the arena. The arena is all but done. And everything I hear is just, I'll be in it, like, all week, uh, starting... We have media day on the 26th, 27th training camp starts, um, and things start going full bore. And we're going to see everyone needs to get a ticket for something in the first month, month and a half, because this place is like, it's inspiring. You will, on opening night, people will be weeping. I mean, watching this this team, this community fight for this team and, and finally get this, it's absolutely going to be nuts. So uh, I, I would get yourself a ticket, at however you got to do it, to whatever you got to do it. I mean, you got to go watch bull riding. I don't care. Um, this the grandeur of this thing is like, oh my gosh! And once it's all you know outside is all built and everything is, that whole strip is all nothing but jazz clubs and and cool <laughs> eateries. I, I mean, I'll go down to games and I'll just be there all day, and I'll just go sit in a, a restaurant. Well, I could I could ride my I could ride my bike there. I mean, ah, this, this place is. is like right next to my house. It's uh, it's doing phenomenal things for downtown. I'm fired up. I mean, actually, you know, obviously covering the team, you know, knowing the five years of struggles and more. Um, yeah. But really that last five years and, you know, the, the salt of the earth people that really they don't have their name in the paper. You know, they're not out in front, you know, getting all the pub for this stuff. These people that really work their asses off. They're the ones that I think um, – you know, for me, it's going to be fun to watch those folks get their payday. That's right. All right. So I, I've said this in the past and, you know, we took a break. I, I got to be honest. We took a break and I don't want to get into it. It's been a long couple of weeks. Trust me. It's been a long, like 10 days that 
since we, I don't know how long it's been since we've done a podcast. It, I think it's only 10 or 12 days, right? Maybe a little bit longer. I don't know. We didn't do one last week. Anyway, uh, it's been a long stretch for, uh, for myself personally. I've just, you know, these things happen. Life is what happens when you're making other plans. And, uh, but from here on out, we will be back, uh, because the season is right around the corner and this thing is about to crank up and the competition for this team is going to be crazy. Guys are going to be fighting tooth and nail to get on the floor. And that's what you want. You want it. And you got a great coach and, uh, you got things moving the right way. Some positivity with the stadium, um, keep keep your fingers crossed that the the play on the court can match the intensity that you're going to see in the building, and uh, hopefully this thing turns around quickly. So, Aaron, do you have any final thoughts? No, I just can't wait for it. You look for a little bit more riding from me this year. I'm a better position to be able to to cover the team like I used to. So I'm I mean I have not been this fired up for a season in a long time. So looking forward to it. All right, so uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. We will be back. We will be back next week. Uh, we will have a guest because I've already got a guest lined up, uh, one of our favorites, and uh, and then it's going to be a barrage. We're actually during the, the training camp session, I'm going to try to do quite a few uh, podcasts with players so you get a little bit better feel for some of who – for how some of these guys are, you know, off the court and who they are as people, um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be wild because again, eleven new faces, and of those eleven, at least eight of them are going to make the team, and so that's a complete roster overhaul. That means more than fifty percent of the roster has been flipped again. So we'll try to get you some one on ones with those guys so you you get a little bit better sense of who they are. So I am James Ham. He is Aaron Bruski. Thanks for tuning in to the CSN. Kings Insider Podcast. We'll be back next week. See you soon.